0: Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Robotics. I'm your host Nikki Rousseau and it's my absolute pleasure to introduce you to the robotics community in Australia. Today it's my pleasure to speak to Jonathan Cook. Jonathan is an electrical engineer manager at Intelligent Robotics and Intelligent Robotics is a member of our network. So it's a huge pleasure to have you here today Jonathan. Welcome.
1: Thanks very much, Nikki. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: So tell us a little bit about your journey and more specifically, what does an electrical engineer do?
1: No worries. Well, my personal background is I studied a Bachelor of Engineering in Infomechatronics in university, which is basically a mixture of mechanical engineering, electrical engineering and IT. Um, For my final year industry placement project as part of my studies, I managed to secure a position with a company to work on a robotic meat cutting project. Now, as a student at uni, I'll admit the meat industry never really occurred to me as a potential area of interest, but this placement actually turned out to be quite a defining point in my career. Um, That project really was my first foray into vision-guided robotics. So I I guess the thing thing about robotically cutting meat is that every piece presents differently. In traditional robotic automation, such as welding, we're dealing with very well-defined objects in controlled environments. With something like robotic meat cutting, where things are less structured, we need to sense the environment and the object accurately using things like cameras and process this sensing data to identify exactly what to do for this specific object and communicate that to a robot. So it's this operation in unstructured space, which became my personal passion and our focus for my career. So as an engineer, it was staying on the cutting edge of what different sensing technologies and processing techniques were available to automate what hasn't been done before. So as I progressed through my career, through project management, sales of this development, and now as electrical engineering manager at Intelligent Robotics, These sorts of applications are to be my purpose. And then uh, to your second question around what, uh, I guess, what do electrical engineers do? Well, at Intelligent Robotics, the engineers in my team are therefore technically focused on things like electrical and sensing design of the systems we build, as well as the controls, robotic and processing programming. We are a small team and a growing team, however, and so they also have input into the mechanical design aspect.
0: Listen, it's fascinating. I went to a talk just actually as COVID hit and a guy was from the Meats Association and Robotics Hard Supply there and the precision and the saving that is um, enabled by using robotics. And he was saying that Five minutes in on the automation line if something goes wrong, the huge financial impact it is because I don't think people quite appreciate how many, shall we call them carcasses, are, are processed every day for the meat that we consume.
1: Absolutely. It's it's a fascinating industry, to be honest, um, to be involved in from an engineering perspective. And it doesn't have a lot of exposure, particularly from the engineering space. But there is so much opportunity around automation and robotics for those sorts of reasons. Any yeah,
0: I think a huge saving.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And any benefit that you can get from accurate cutting is multiplied across each and every um, body that's processed.
0: Yeah, and I think he was talking about the weighing at no like the automation robot knows exactly the measure of the cut, the meat, what it should be. To if you're looking at a 300 gram steak or whatever it is that you're buying, that it is actually accurate. I have been tempted, I have to say, that once I've done my shopping, is to come home and actually weigh my food and see that people <laughs> aren't slightly. <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> Some shortage there, very minor, but you know, it adds up like every. Every 30 um, grams minor, multiply that by 70 pieces of meat that you sell a day, like that's a saving.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, And similarly, I guess, for the processes themselves as well, every sort of gram that you can put on the high value parts of the cuts as well, that adds up exponentially over time.
0: Yeah. So you work for Intelligent Robotics, as I mentioned, you're a member of our network. So um, thank you for your support. We so appreciate companies coming on the journey with us. Tell us a little bit about your founder, Clyde Campbell, um, and he's got an Order of Australia medal and he founded Intelligent Robotics in 2020.
1: Yeah, so I guess a a bit of history first. Uh, Clyde previously started a company called Machinery Automation and Robotics, or MAR, uh, which he built up into a national brand servicing international projects. MAR was an industrial automation and robotics integrator performing projects for customers in a wide range of industries. These projects would include everything from standard industrial applications like robotic palletizing and conveyor control systems, all the way through to highly innovative projects like robotic meat cutting and also things like putting a robot on the back of a customized truck to automatically change the idlers on big mining conveyors while they continue to run. Um, Clyde eventually sold MAR and at the beginning of 2020 decided to start Intelligent Robotics, which was a gutsy move with uh, COVID-19 really starting to hit its stride. as intelligent robotics, he wanted to be able to focus on the highly innovative and challenging applications which hadn't been done before. The types of applications with high technical risk and creative requirements, but could yield big rewards for our customers. These sorts of projects take an enormous amount of energy and, quite frankly, tears to get right. So we wanted to be able to focus on applications which could be productized and had a wider industry appeal to make this effort all more worthwhile. So. That's how Intelligent Robotics was born and what our focus is. As um, Apart from Intelligent Robotics, Clyde also has his Parkinson's charity, Shake It Up, in which he continues to push for lasting and meaning in the space of Parkinson's.
0: Fantastic. And as you mentioned, a very gutsy move in the in the midst of COVID to go, wow, I'm just going to start a new company now
1: absolutely and sometimes you just have to back yourself <laughs>
0: That's it. if if you don't who is <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> so, so the team at intelligent robotics are highly experienced engineers uh, all with a proven track record of developing and bringing to market new and innovative automation and robotic technologies. Tell us a little bit, now, we're going to actually unpack your whole company in the next couple of questions. So tell us a little bit about the AI driven beef scribing system, which is it IR scribe? Is that literally how they pronounce it?
1: Yes, yeah. So so IR Scribe is our first product and uh, really a big milestone for us as intelligent robotics. Um, It's a robotic system for the meat industry, which is able to use advanced imaging and 3D sensing to accurately identify and perform a number of saw powered cuts into beef sides as they move through the system, similar to what we were talking about before. The cuts the robots perform do seem quite innocuous. But their accurate placement is actually quite critical to unlocking the maximum value from each side as it is further broken down in the downstream processes. So hence, this application has been a key target for the beef processing industry for for quite some time. For me personally, this application is something I've been working on for over 15 years now, and it's been quite the challenging one. So the, the key challenges really come from the massive variation that exists between beef sites. So like people, no two animals are exactly the same and their size and shape can vary dramatically. Historically, we moved from initial attempts using 2D color imaging, which unfortunately was unsuccessful, uh, through to developing big X-ray systems to X-ray scan beef sides and accurately place the cuts from these images. This approach was successful technically, But there remain significant challenges with the cost, size and complexity of maintaining the X-ray equipment for the technology to scale. With IRScribe, we set ourselves the challenge of being able to continue to perform these cuts accurately without needing the complexity of the x-ray imaging. So with the support of the Australian Meat Processor Corporation, which is a specialist R&D provider for Australian meat processors, and Kilcoy Global Foods, a food processing company with a large beef processing plant in Queensland, we designed, constructed, installed and commissioned our first IR scribe system. So the technical enablers for this system versus our historical efforts has been the advancement in sensing technology and most critically the, inv- the advancement of AI, specifically deep learning. The advances in this space have allowed us to reliably and robustly process sensing data to accurately locate these issues, despite the product variation in beef, to agree to a degree which hasn't been achievable in them. So the end result is the first system installed and operating. Due to the enormous efforts of the team, which I'm immensely proud of. They've done such a great job in executing, and we're very excited as to where we can.
0: Fantastic. Congratulations. Um, and I think uh, your clients would also just be going, they wrap because of this. the money saving that's, you know, you talk about automation, the topic always comes up with displacement of people, but the money that's saved that you can then reinvest in your company, getting more people on board.
1: Absolutely. And also in an industry like uh, the meat processing industry, there have been historically issues with finding the labour to begin with, and that only got worse during COVID. So it's an industry which has a shortage of labour. So what we found with this sort of system, um, people won't, will generally be reassigned to another task. Uh, And what it means is that Plans for still able to maintain their operating efficiency in light of the challenging labor market.
0: Yeah, I, I fully agree with you. And I think that's um, the theme of people displacement should change the people on there to start with. You're not displacing yeah. anyone. We simply don't have the staff.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, and that's a different rhetoric as you go forward. Did you? I was reading something about goats and slaughter houses, plants, processing plants that. They're not accepting them anymore. Have you read that story? That they, I don't know what the angle was, but people from small holdings and maybe organic, oh, it's the organic, it came from the organic side that they don't have slaughterhouses anymore for their products in Victoria. And this is becoming a bigger problem
1: oh okay So I'm not aware of, of yeah that. So oh no I just weird. thought I'd
0: throw that in there because you <laughs> know we're talking about meat processing so it's fine I don't expect you to be an expert on everything Jonathan <laughs>
1: <laughs> you're probably to gonna <laughs> really brush up on my goat industry you
0: know, yeah, like this is super important it's not really and <laughs> I could have I could have the, the the story completely wrong I just remember quickly reading something and I went oh that's quite interesting especially for people that like to eat goat like you're the the plants that <laughs> You can go and have them processed or becoming uh, less and less, it seems. So tell us a little bit as we're progressing through your company and your offerings, Hapton uh, Telerobotics.
1: Yes. Yeah, so there are some applications which are of great interest to our customers to roboticize, but they're still very difficult to fully automate. So this is where we think there's an opportunity in this space for a technology like the Haption Telerobotics which essentially works to decouple an operator from a task or environment by by having them manually direct a robotic arm. So the way the technology works is an operator is positioned at, say, a workstation. They have the telerobotic arm in front of them. And by manipulating that arm, a physical industrial robot out on, say, a processing floor is able to then mirror those actions. So one example for the need for this uh, is safety. So this ability to be able to remove an operator from a potentially unsafe environment to perform a critical task which can not yet be fully automated itself. Another example is increasing the potential labour pool available. So our first examination of this technology was actually collaboration between IR and the Australian Meat Processors Corporation to investigate how this might be able to address some of the labor challenges in the meat and meat processing industry, which we were just talking about. So, a significant risk to that industry in Australia is being able to find enough workers. And as we said before, this was dramatically amplified during COVID. Telerobotics offers the opportunity to allow people who are not able to perform manual tasks on the actual processing lines a means to be able to do so. So this can widen the available labour pool by taking traits such as strength and mobility out of the equation and opening the door to those that are otherwise abled or on light duties. It can also potentially break down the geographic boundaries by having operators located remotely to the processing line or potentially even the plant itself. So we think it's an exciting space that presents a significant opportunity in this gap that exists between full manual order full manual operation and full automation.
0: It's a fascinating area. And again, like, as you mentioned, like safety, um, availability of stuff, these are all bonuses and plus that you would just go, why wouldn't you be using this type of um, robotics?
1: Ab- absolutely. And that's why we think there's a yeah massive opportunity there for this space.
0: Yeah. Um, you also represent the humanoid, a robot could be only, and just for our audience, a humanoid is a robot that obviously has features, of a human, maybe arms, legs, a face or something like that. So hence a humanoid robot. Uh, Tell us a little bit
1: about this robot. Yeah. So at Intelligent Robotics, we're passionate about technology and always on the lookout for groundbreaking and disruptive developments. This includes more blue sky endeavors, which are further away into the future, but which we see potential in and want to keep our fingers on the pulse. And also potentially help drive. So our partnership with Beyond the definitely fits this category, as well as humanoid robots in general.
0: Yeah, and I think this is a this is an area in Australia certainly that we're going to be seeing more of these type of humanoids or service robots. Uh, what do you think about the expansion of this?
1: Yeah, I absolutely think um, in the future we will we will see these on the market. Um, To be quite honest, the timeline and the pathway to the adoption is probably still unclear, but there's fascinating work being done on developing these sorts of generalized robots and also the AI driving them. So as the technology matures, we foresee a significant paradigm shift in robotics from this one robotic arm, one task, uh, we currently have, to a more generalized one robot, many tasks. So we think this will bring enormous opportunities in many areas, particularly in industries which are currently lagging in uh, in uptake of automation and robotics. So it's a longer term development, but one we are keeping a close eye.
0: Definitely. And I'm, I'm fascinated by your uh, one robot many tasks because typically I would associate a robot, one robot with specific tasks, usually. Like they excel at one or two tasks that they really do well.
1: Absolutely. And we think this is where the main potential for something like a humanoid robot will be one common sort of robot technology base, which is able to be abstracted into multiple different tasks, uh, which helps give the technology scalability and um, hopefully drives commercial feasibility as well.
0: Yeah, I think nothing like a little bit of a, a pandemic covered because I was in the space of telepresence robots then and suddenly hospitals and places that I would traditionally have a huge problem getting my product into were phoning and saying, you know, can we, what have you got on offer that we can use immediately? So always like just a bit of a crisis to excel the use of technology, which did make me laugh because I've been going, well, I've been here for eight years. Like why suddenly now you could have been set up for this?
1: Oh, that's always the way isn't it they don't you don't need it until you needed it yesterday
0: yeah of course then and then all the traditional um roadblocks and issues are they out the window we we aren't even considering there's no problem here <laughs> i saw in victoria as well that um the use of uh, delivery robots now in restaurants literally you know delivering your plate of food that you've ordered it's not common now but there is an increase in this and i I probably think across the rest of Australia, this will become more um, commonplace.
1: Absolutely. And I I think the benefits there are twofold as well. As people see more robotics interact with robots in those sort of untraditional spaces like retail spaces, it really normalizes the technology a lot more. And I think that will help businesses sort of see the technology as not something that's out of reach. But something that is really capable of, of yeah doing nice well defined well defined tasks.
0: Yeah. And the important thing is seeing people, the socialization of robots that they actually see a robot that is solving a problem. So, you know, oftentimes you would have this robot standing there and it I speak for myself, my robots that I had, um, that can dance and they can do not terribly useful things like great attractors that shows when you want people to stop and you want to engage with them then they're absolutely fantastic and i'm not including the temi robot in this because that's a super intelligent and useful robot on many fronts but you know traditionally some of them one sort of function and people would stand there going so what else can it do you know can it make your bed which used to infuriate me because clearly this robot can't make your bed don't ask stupid questions and i always had to bite my tongue and go listen let me not comment on that any further but more the point i'm trying to make is that when people see robots because typically robots are portrayed in quite a negative way in the press you know it's a doomsday you know the robots taking your job well no there aren't any people here to do the job. That's the first point. And secondly, the robots are actually very useful if they're the right fit for the problem.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's so many there's so many different aspects to that to that part of the conversation. And yeah, their ability to, I suppose, generate generate value in in areas where we do struggle to find workers. I think we will see more sort of social acceptance of of the concept of robotics as people are just exposed to it more and it becomes less of this sci-fi type concept and something that's more real life
0: yeah i agree you focus on autonomous systems as well tell us a little bit more
1: uh yes so we've also done we also do a little bit of work around autonomous guided vehicles for bespoke applications so we have looked at these sorts of things in the past, and again, it sort of fills that, that strategy for us and that portfolio for us around this operation in unstructured space. So this ability to move around objects without having to use things like conveyors or fixed plant in a way that is sort of more flexible, but also a bit more complex because of that lack of flexibility.
0: and your journey now you've mentioned like 15 years uh, by the way you don't much to my audience he doesn't look old enough to be working in the industry for 15 years you're going to age very well jonathan thank you very much <laughs> what, uh, what challenges do you think the industry has overcome with adoption of robotics and automation in australia
1: oh well, this is this is such a big this is such a big question Look, Australia possesses many great minds as a fantastic ability to innovate. Unfortunately, we have also seen a continued decline in our sovereign manufacturing capacity. And I think we're seeing a real desire to reshore manufacturing here, particularly after all the shock supply chain shock waves uh, that occurred during COVID. And robotics and automation offers a real opportunity to realise this while maintaining our relatively high wage labour market by really leveraging that workforce. So for companies currently manufacturing in Australia, particularly for small and medium-sized players, I think the cost of adoption is probably still a key barrier. On the cost side of this equation, there's a number of funding options available to companies and education to increase awareness of these options is key, as well as trying to ensure efficiency. There's also, I guess, building the general awareness of the value proposition that robotics and automation can offer and fully understanding potential commercial benefit of things like efficiency to operation. I think secondly, there's also a perceived risk of adopting robotics and automation. In areas where R&D is required in the application hasn't been automated before, again, funding can offer critical assistance to reducing the risk. And this also has the added benefit of supporting development of novel automated solutions in Australia and, de- build, um, and building our capability in this space here. I do think the other aspect, though, of that perception to risk is continuing to increase the education of robotics and automation engineering workforce, both to build the skills necessary to adopt it and also to continue to build familiarity with the technology, as we were discussing.
0: And I think on that point, I think more and more universities are uh, incorporating robotics specific courses now and developing them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And we just we need to continue down that trend because that's a um, that's a significant.
0: Yeah. What excites you personally about working in this field?
1: So for me, it's the ever changing technology space and the fact there's always a new problem to solve. I, I love the challenge and the pain of working on things that haven't been done before. Going through, again, my engineering degree at university, I never thought I'd have the opportunity to work with a range of technologies that include hyperspectral imaging, X-ray imaging, CT imaging, and making sense of all that data to drive robots and automation to operate effectively in under environments. That's what I find rewarding about working in robotics and automation, and in the work we also do at intelligent robotics.
0: Just back to intelligent robotics, how big is your team?
1: Our team now is seven.
0: Congratulations. From 2020 to set, like, having seven people and the amount yeah. of offerings you have, I'm absolutely astounded at how well you've done.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's been a lot of hard work and we're continuing to, to build um, and to move forward, but it's a very exciting time for us.
0: And where is Intelligent Robotics based?
1: We're based in Sydney.
0: Okay. And you obviously move around and you have clients all over Australia and possibly the world?
1: Uh, yes, right Right now the focus is still in Australia, but uh, definitely have global aspirations.
0: Definitely. That's, that's for all robotic companies in Australia. Of course, our offerings are solve issues here, but we've got a whole global market that we can focus on. Absolutely. Jonathan, I'm very mindful of your time and I know you're a busy man. Any closing thoughts that you'd like to leave our audience
1: with? Look, I just want to echo what an exciting field for robotics and automation is, particularly in Australia. So whether you're a student pondering what you might want to study, or even someone working in industry considering potential training and development pathways. Um, and for business owners and managers, particularly in manufacturing, building awareness of how such technology could act as a lever for operations. There's so much opportunity in this space and it's an ex-
0: Fantastic. And where can the audience reach you if they've got any further questions?
1: Yep. So our website is www.intelligentrobotics.com.au. And that's the best place.
0: Fantastic. And to our audience out there, uh, also connect with Jonathan on LinkedIn. I'm sure they can send you a message there as well.
1: Yep, absolutely.
0: Fantastic. We'll put uh, your website in the show notes. Jonathan, thanks very much. It's really been a pleasure meeting and speaking with you. Congratulations. We're all watching your company and we all so thrilled with the fantastic work that you're doing.
1: Uh, thank you very much, Nikki. It's been an absolute pleasure.
0: Thanks. And to our audience, thank you for joining us for another episode of Let's Talk Robotics. I look forward to your company again and look after yourself wherever you are in the world.